As I mentioned in the beginning of the service, this week marks the third and final week of my preaching series, Journeying Through James. In the past few weeks, we've looked at a number of chapters of James and understanding uh, how faith and works work together, uh, understanding uh, how we as a community of faith and uh, how we can navigate challenging uh, issues in our life. And this week, we turn to chapter 3 as a way to look at how James talks about uh, our speech, or as he says, our tongue. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Not many of you shall be, should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong wings, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest, when a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and Sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, open our ears to hear your word. Open our minds so that we can understand. And open up our hearts to receive your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today, I want us to consider a simple question. Do words have power? Do words have power? When we were children, perhaps you, like me, were told sticks and stones will break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Right. Do words have power? Words may not always hurt, but words can sometimes make us do things. There was once a, a rabbi a priest and a minister. You know, all good jokes start out like that, by the way. <laughs> Just want to prep you for that. There once was a rabbi, a priest, and a minister, 
And they were all friends in the same town that they served in as clergy. And they went out fishing every Friday, every week, no matter what. And for years, Friday mornings, they would fish and they talked about the same old stuff. They would talk about things like their congregations and their complaints, etc., etc. But the rabbi, he was, he was kind of fed up with talking about the same old thing. And he, so the rabbi says, well, we've been friends all these years. And we never really talk about anything of real substance, especially spiritually. Let's go deeper. Let's confess to each other what we really struggle with. And maybe we can really help one another out since we're good friends. So the rabbi goes first. He says, well, to be honest, what I confess is I I have a hard time keeping my meals kosher, and I, I shouldn't do that, but sometimes I do. Well, then the priest feels free to share after the rabbi had opened his heart and bared his soul. And he says, well, I've been thinking about leaving the priesthood, and I, I left my fiancé to become a priest. And I'm thinking about becoming engaged again and leaving the priesthood. She's still single. Well, the rabbi is kind of waiting on the minister to confess, and the rabbi says, well, what about you, minister? And some silence, some time of silence goes by. And the minister finally says, as he looks at each one of them, well, guys, I've been listening to you, and I really understand. I really understand your problems. The rabbi says, well, tell us. The minister finally says, well, fellas, as the minister starts his confession, I love gossip, and I can't wait to get back to town today. (laughs) Do words have power? Do words have power? Apparently, for James and his community, they were struggling with the use of words. And for ancient people, they struggled, and we are no different than them. Their struggle just looks a little bit different than our struggle. You know, we have magazines, we have the internet, we have social media to convey gossip and conjecture. James and his community only had really only one thing word of mouth. And it didn't have, they didn't have YouTube, they didn't have Facebook to get all the juiciest details about people out there for the world to consume. For the James community, they were certainly no different than modern people. It's just we look a little bit different in the way we convey it. Idle talk, conjecture, hearsay is all about what gossip is a struggle with? What is it about words of gossip that bring people together when the details are the most salacious? The community of James, perhaps in their day, lived a little closer, had a little bit more face time, and a little more con- connection than maybe we do today, and they couldn't escape even the most benign details of life because that's what the town was talking about. Aristotle thought that gossip was trivial, but it was an enjoyable pastime. But he also believed that gossiping could have a malicious intent when spoken by someone who has been wronged. James was even more blunt about this. You shouldn't become a teacher because you, as teachers, will be judged more strictly. That sounds pretty ominous if you think about it. Even more direct, James proclaimed the tongue is a fire, A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course 
of one's life on fire. That sounds awful, doesn't it? James was trying to get at the heart of what the tongue does and how it can become a source of gossip. Scholar, pastor, and former United Methodist Bishop William Willimon confesses that words, particularly hearsay or gossip, can do. He wrote once, admittedly, the bonding and the information provided by gossip may be at the low end of the ladder of moral inquiry. But it may at least be at the beginning. We are desperate for information about people, particularly the private information beneath the public facade, because we want to know more about ourselves. I think Willimon is on to something here. We talk idly to connect and to know more about ourselves. Sometimes we thrive off of this type of information, particularly information that isn't about us. We feel bonded. We feel a part of something. And it tells us we're not so bad. They're the ones who are really bad. And it really sometimes speaks to how it makes us feel better about ourselves. Individually, our lives can be ruined by gossip, a loose word of the tongue, But I want us to think beyond just idle talk, as what James had written about. Gossip is bad, but what about divisive words? Whether we realize it or not, we consume words all day. We watch TV, we read the newspaper, we read what's going on social media, we listen to podcasts. We are just as enthralled with words as the community of James was almost 2,000 years ago. Now, I've really become troubled at our idle talk, our disputatious conversations, not in this congregation, but in our culture at large. The idle talk that is acceptable by celebrities and politicians and leaders and what's out on the internet. It's a type of gossip that goes to the next level. Words are leveraged around two groups, us and them, us and them. This is a dangerous path. Creating the ones who are like us and creating the ones who are not like us. This duality in the words that accompany it Do we demonize others out of fear over the real demons that James wrote about? We, as followers of Christ who take James chapter 3 seriously, if we want to take it seriously, cannot engage in this type of rhetoric, talk, and cannot support people who do. Richard Rohr, spiritual writer, priest, and author, articulates the type of person that employs this type of talk in words and division. He writes, Dualistic or divided people live in a split and fragmented world. They cannot accept that God objectively dwells within them or others. They cannot accept or forgive certain parts of themselves. This lack of forgiveness takes the form of a tortured mind, a closed heart, and the inability 
to live calmly and humbly inside their own body. This fragmented mind sees parts, not wholes, and invariably it creates antagonism, fear. And Rohr continues with this, what you see is what you get. What you seek is also what you get. We mend and renew the world by strengthening inside ourselves what we seek outside of ourselves, not by demanding it or forcing it on others. Roar brings to life what James was communicating to his community. Words have power. The power to build up and the power to destroy. Words, words build up others when we love others the way that God loves us with our words. And words break down others when we fear and hate and close ourselves off to people with our words. So how do we change the discourse of words in our culture? Is it a better vocabulary? A thesaurus? <laughs> Does it start in our families? Does it start in our church? I recently read about an African-American blues musician who is doing the work of changing the discourse of words in our country. Blues musician Daryl Davis has traveled the United States for around three decades, actively seeking out white supremacists. Now you may think an African-American blues musician who's traveling around the country seeking out white supremacists, that's kind of a, a dangerous journey. But a lot of the Chicago-born Christians' discussions and friendships with white supremacists and KKK members are seen in the film, Accidental Courtesy, Daryl Davis, Race in America. For Mr. Davis, he's known for his energetic style of playing the piano and played with musicians like Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis and Bruce Hornsberry. But we may think, why would someone do that? How does he do that? How does he make friendships with people who are seemingly on the other cross of the divide? Well, in this film, in this documentary, the 58-year-old can be seen sitting down and joking with white supremacists. And he said this in the film, I've never set out to convert anyone in the Ku Klux Klan. I just set out to get an answer to my question. How can you hate me when you don't even know me. I simply give them a chance to get them to know me, and I treat them the way I want to be treated, he says. It's a wonderful thing, he continues, when you see a light bulb pop in their head, or they call you and they tell you that they're quitting. And he said they come to their own conclusion that this ideology is no longer for them. James chapter 3 wrote, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Daryl Davis uses those words every day to change people's mind about racism. Did he accuse anyone? Did he use violence? Did he taunt them? Well, if you watch the documentary, he doesn't employ any of those things. No, Davis is wise in the way that James chapter 3 describes. 
Daryl Davis doesn't have a social media following. He doesn't have an Instagram influencer account. He doesn't have a lot of money. But he does have what God gave him, his mind and his words. Daryl Davis uses what the book of James proclaims, and I like how Eugene Peterson's The Message Bible puts it from James chapter 3, verse 17. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy and robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Today, there are really two things in front of us. Words as gossip and words as power. The power to tear down and the power to build up. Friends, people are listening to you. Whether they know you're a follower of Christ or not, people are listening to you. They're listening to your words. And just a few weeks ago, I just, it, it really came to me and struck me in a very personal way how, how people are listening to my words. I was with my wife, Christine, and my three kids, and we were driving in the car to get some ice cream. And it was Friday, and traffic was, was building up. And now, I'm an extremely patient person with a lot of things. However, with traffic and bad drivers, I really have very, very thin patience. I get frustrated. I get upset. So as a, as a way to try to deal with the traffic situation and bad drivers, I, I saw someone who, who was on their cell phone, which you, if you didn't know is illegal in New York, holding their cell phone and making a slow turn into a driveway. Well, I, I just lost it. I just blurted out, come on, people, let's move it. Unbelievable, I thought. Just bad driving, no consideration. And I just, I just let out a big sigh. And then about 30 seconds later, I hear my five-year-old shout from the back, Come on, people, let's move it! <laughs> and then my wife, Christine, looks at me with, with these eyes, these eyes that she didn't say anything with her words, but she communicated with your eyes. See, your kids are listening to everything you say, Alan. So shut it. And I just felt so convicted with that look. It's amazing how wives can just stare with laser beams into your soul and communicate something without using any words. Friends, we have a responsibility. People are listening. So what are you saying? What are you saying at, the work, at work at the water cooler? What are you saying with your friends? What are you saying when you're comfortably around people who look and say things just like you do? What are you saying online? What types of messages or memes are you sharing on social media? Friends, we have a responsibility. We have to use our words in such a way that reflect James chapter 3. Are you harboring bitterness and anger with your words? 
with your Facebook, with your phone. If you don't take anything away from this sermon, I hope you take away this. When you're in a situation where you think you have something to say that's important or talk with someone in a difficult situation or tempted to gossip, remember this acronym. THINK. T-H-I-N-K. THINK. T stands for, is it true? Go ahead and write this down. Feel free. There's some pens in the fuse. THINK. T. Is it true? Is it true? H. Is it helpful? I. Is it inspiring? N. Is it necessary? K. Is it kind? T. Is it true? H. Is it helpful? I. Is it inspiring? N. Is it necessary? K. Is it kind? One of the greatest dangers that we face as Christians is the wrongful use of our tongue. And James challenges us with this stark reality that our tongue reveals what's in our hearts. So what is in your heart today? As James proclaims, the tongue is the small rudder that can control things, but it is the heart that is at the helm of the ship that is your life, my life. Today, may you know that words have power. Your words have power. Today, may you look inside yourself and decide, do I need to change my words? Do I need to change the types of words I'm listening to on TV, radio, podcast, the internet? Today, may you look within your heart to discover that when you put Christ at the helm of your life, though you may sail through waters, know that you will be steered true. Let us pray. God, all of us could spend hours together confessing the types of things that we've regret, we've said with our words. That, God, there have been times when we get frustrated, we lose our temper, and we say things we shouldn't. Or perhaps, God, we, we gossip. We engage in idle talk. We don't have all the facts. We put forth conjecture. But God, maybe some of us are people of a few words, but we allow destructive words, divisive words, disputatious words into our minds and our hearts, and it begins to divide us. God, help us this week begin to turn off the types of divisive words and the type of divisive talk and tongues that speak nothing of hate and greed and evilness. God, help us turn on the words of life, the words we find in your scriptures, the words that you gave Jesus and the disciples in the early church. God, help us this week take up the challenge of being able to embody James chapter 3. Help us know that our words have power, the power to build up and the power to break down. God, help us make the good decision this week to engage in the types of words that build up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.